Hey guys, everyone, uh, welcome to uh, episode 36 of Ruin Hammer. And today we're joined by a very special guest. Um, he is one of the uh, NRL and the Warriors all-time greats. A man who played 261 NRL games for the Warriors, 44, 45 Super League games for the Catalan Dragons, 46 test matches for the Kiwis. He scored 77 tries and kicked 176 goals for the Warriors. 12 tries and 49 goals for the Catalans and 16 tries and 46 goals for the Kiwis. He has won many awards and accolades, amongst which are the New Zealand uh, Sports Hall of Fame, the New Zealand Order of Merit and the NRL Hall of Fame. I'm privileged to welcome the Little General Warrior 24, Stacey Jones. Hi, Stacey. Hey, guys. How are you going? Hey, hey Stacey. How are you, mate? Thanks for joining I'm us. I'm good. No worries. My You're pleasure. Right. We can't actually see you there. Can't man. see your video, bro. Yeah. Can't you? No. Oh. I think you might have to click it at the bottom. Uh, hang on. I might ask. There oh, yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. yourself. I had to get my daughter to help me. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> we, we can understand technical difficulties. Don't worry, yeah. mate. <laughs> uh, mate, so thank you for yeah. coming on for a chat. And we know you're a very private man. And you only have an hour or so. So we'll, we'll get straight into it. So you were born yep. and raised in Auckland. Um, can you take us back to the start of your rugby league journey? Um, what age did you start playing and who was your junior club? Um, my junior club, I first started with Ponsonby, Ponsonby Ponies. Um, sorry, my daughter's just about to leave. I've got to close the door. Um, no problems. Uh, started when I was about three, three and a half. Played with my older brothers. Uh, my grandfather um, got us into playing rugby league and sort of was always in the family so i grew up and then uh had a couple of years at uh Pontenby and then i moved to point chev and actually i don't know if you can see on the background there there's yep. a park here where i grew up and there's kids running around to the, ah, nice one. Oh, nice. marvelous place yeah grassroots beautiful That's awesome yeah. mate in um in 1993 the the then new south wales rugby league announced that there'd be four new teams joining the the league in 95 which included the auckland warriors uh, which was going to be the first franchise to be based outside of Australia. Um, did you watch much of the uh, New South Wales Rugby League growing up? And what was your reaction to the news about the Warriors coming into the comp? Yeah, and no, I grew up watching the, uh, back then was the, the Winfield Cup. Um, uh, my grandparents lived next door to a, a pub and they had a satellite dish and they got the feed from for the uh, the uh, NRL games back in the day. So every Sunday, Saturday night, I'd be over at their place watching footy um when the the news of, of the warriors joining the the competition came about i probably would have been about 16 17 at the time and it was very exciting um for, for a young bloke like myself and, and a lot of my mates also uh, that i grew up playing footy with um it was probably a, a dream that was was you know um coming true yeah. so, so when were you first approached by the club and when did you sign your first contract uh god it would have been 94. um i think 93 they really started to get things going they signed um at the time you know some high profile players dean bow greg alexander um uh, players like that and then uh, a lot of kiwis uh younger kiwis were signed and uh and then they signed quite a few young guys like um myself you know joe and nigel Wagner. um uh, Ruben Wookie, <laughs> who yeah, ended up playing for the Warriors, but not at the time that they wanted him to. Uh, Henry Paul was another one that went to England. 
Um, so, yeah, it would have been about 90, 94 that when uh, a lot of the young ones signed. It must have been uh, exciting for a young kid like yourself to to be involved in that very first preseason training with a mixture of you know Kiwi League legends and um, you know young local talent and seasoned veterans from Australia. Um, how did you find that experience? Oh, it was brilliant. Um, you know, pre-season um, was very tough, but, you know, to rub shoulders with the likes of Greg Alexander and uh, Dean Bow, TRO Party, Stephen Kearney, you know, it was just a dream come true. And or just going back to those those times, you'd have about, you know, 80 guys trained together. Um, and, you know, a young kid like myself um, that was, you know, given that opportunity, um, yeah, I, I loved it. It was it was just brilliant for for a young one to get that experience. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you remember the build up to that first game back in '95? Because I mean, we had we had Big Joe Wagner on the show recently, and he equated the the build up to that uh, the Warrior Mania as on par with the All Blacks at the time. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, the whole week, um, it was just everything was about rugby league, and and you know, uh, no better draw card than than the Broncos. Um, mm. Coming to coming to Mount Smart on, on a Friday night, um, you know a sellout crowd, and you know I was you know privileged enough to play in, in the curtain raiser alongside uh, Joe. And uh, yeah, look, there was a huge crowd there just for a reserve grade game, and and I thought, wow, this how how good is this? Yeah, I was going to say you um, you and Big Joe played in that reserve grade curtain raiser. Um, how do you remember the game that? Reserve grade game playing in front of that um, in in front of that big crowd and then uh, watching the main game from the stands in in a crowd that was absolute fever pitch. Yeah, it was um, the build up. You know the pre match entertainment. Um, they they had it all. Um, the, the reserve grade game we we won. Um, uh, it was it was a close game, uh, but we we won it. And I, I think looking back in that team, there was some you know. Um, Broncos players that would become legends for their club, you know, Darren Lockyer, Shane Webke and, and the like. Yeah. So um, exciting for us to, to play against them. But that uh, that NRL game was something special. Um, oh, so the Warriors didn't win, uh, but I think there'll be, I reckon if you asked um, every Aucklander um, now, I reckon they all would say they were at that game. <laughs> There's about 80,000 people there, as the Mad Butcher used to say. <laughs> You end up making your first grade debut as a teenager, though, in round seven against Parramatta at the old Parramatta Stadium in a big forty to four, a forty to four win. Um, how did you get the news of your debut, and what do you remember about the game itself? Uh, it, it was a little bit different back in those days because the first grade would only pick fifteen players, fifteen fresh players, and then they'd grab they could grab up to ten blokes from reserve grade to sit on the bench. You could only use four players. Um, so actually that, that Broncos game, the very first game was the only game that I never actually sat on the bench, um, for, for the first grade team, every other game I was on the bench and I never thought I'd get on. Um, it was just the rule back in those days. You had to play 40 minutes of, of reserve grade to become eligible to play, um, first grade to sit on the bench. So, uh, yeah, it was just a, a spur of the moment thing. I didn't think I was going to get on. It was about, I don't know. 20 minutes to go and um, uh, the game was pretty much sewn up. I think the, the team was ahead by about 30 points at the time and uh, there was an injury and, and I was given an opportunity to run on and had played about five minutes and then, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. In that five minutes, you scored a try and debut in that game. Um, we ask all our guests uh, if they have any memories of their first NRL try. Do you remember yours? Yeah, I actually stole it. I stole that try. <laughs> I stole it off Phil Blake. Yeah, Phil Blake, yeah. yeah. His old legs couldn't get there fast enough, so I sort of stuck in. <laughs> Sorry, Blakey, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a kick put through and went in goal, and I think the Parramatta fullback didn't clean it up, and Blakey was about to dive on it. Um, but I beat him to it. <laughs> Probably your future teammate, Lee Oden Ryan, actually. <laughs> yeah, probably. You end up playing 14 games in the 1995 season. However, the team just falls agonisingly short of a finals berth. It must have given you great confidence, though, to have an experienced campaigner like um, Brandy Alexander in the side to guide you through that first season. Yeah, oh, he was, you know, uh, a great leader of the team and, and the experience that he had. And, you know, he, he was really good to the young ones. Like he, um, you know, he never just cruised and thought he's just going to come over here and and um, you know just just play footy. He came here and and he helped develop um, the players like myself. And you know, I became really close with Brandy um, in that period. You know, I'm still close with him now. And um, you know, he was just a, a great player that um, someone like myself could learn from. Yeah, at, at the end of that season, you were selected for the squad uh, for the 95 uh, World Cup in the UK. Uh, you make your test debut in a 25-24 win over Tonga. Um, mate, it must have felt great to to don the black and white of the Kiwis at such a young age. Yeah, uh, again, um, a dream come true uh, for myself. Uh, going away to the World Cup in 1995 and, and you know, again, had some... Uh, some really good role models to, to look up to. Stephen Kearney, um, you know, was a player that took me under his wing. Uh, Hytrochasini, um, so you know, Matthew Ridge, um, Gary Freeman. So there were some really uh, players that that I looked up to. And again, it was one of those things that you you, you only dream of, and then it becomes a reality, and you just love it. Yeah. Yeah, the 1996 season um, is another inconsistent year for the club. However, you, your game personally continues to flourish. And it was, the end, it was at the end of that year that Brandy departs back to Penrith and you become the number one half at the club. Um, did you feel much pressure? Well, this is going back a while now. Um, not really. I think because... You know, we still had some really good experienced players around, like G Namu, you know, had been playing for the Kiwis for quite some time. So, um, uh, yes, I was one of the halves, but I wasn't the leader of the team at the time. And, and Matthew Rich didn't come that year, but he was meant to, and all the Super League stuff was happening at the time. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that there was enough leadership there in front of me to, to make it a bit more comfortable. The... Um... From 97 to 2000, uh, our seasons pretty much follow a similar pattern in that we show glimpses of brilliance, but we ultimately, can, inconsistency kind of lets us down. Yep. Uh, the club found itself in some severe financial crisis at the end of 2000 and almost folds. How do you remember that uncertain time and were you ever tempted to leave the Warriors at that stage? Oh, I think everyone was at the time. Um, yeah, it was a tough period. Um, you know, it was hard for the owners just trying to get get a team on the field, and 
we lost a lot of players, I think, um, after 1998. I think the Warriors team was just about the Kiwi team in 98. And then not long after that, um, a lot of players left um, for whatever reason, um, other opportunities. And yeah, it was a tough time for the club. And eventually uh, uh, the club got sold and Eric Watson um, bought in. And yeah, look, I mean, again, it was such a long time ago, but it was a, it was a tough time uh, for the club. But, you know, it's all part of the, the history and probably what happened at that time made the club a, a bit stronger. Yeah, for sure. As, as you said, Eric Watson becomes the white knight and he rescues the club and we're reborn as the New Zealand Warriors. A then unknown reserve grade coach from Parramatta named Daniel Anderson was a coach. What was the feeling during this pre-season and, pre-season and how did you find Daniel as a coach? Oh, look, look, Daniel brought um, uh, a real... Um, sense of, of basic fundamentals. He wanted to coach that into the team and, and he was not saying he was lucky, but he with the group he had, there was a lot of young players. It was quite a good balance. A lot of the experienced players had moved on and Daniel could add his own flavour to it because the squad was was quite young. Uh, and I just remember him hammering into us just basic fundamentals. Um, you know, he kept things pretty simple, uh, but he made sure that um, you know, everyone could uh, catch and pass the ball. Everyone could play the ball properly. Everyone understood the game in a in a simplistic term. Yep. That um, that 2001 season is significant for so many reasons. But one of the biggest wins came in round six with that maiden first win over the Broncos, 13-12, uh, with you kicking the match-winning field goal. We had Campo on, and he said he didn't realise how big of a result that was for the club at the time. How do you remember that? Game? Oh, it was huge. Uh, yeah, we, the, the, in, in the time, uh, club's history, had never been in the Broncos, who, you know, uh, were the benchmark team at that time. And to beat them was, was something real, real special for us. And I remember, you know, I think it was a Saturday night at, at Mount Smart and wet and uh, windy, greasy conditions. And to, to get that result um, certainly gave the club, uh, the team, a, a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a bit of an inconsistent period though after that in the first half of that 2001 season but a strong finish sees us qualify for our first ever final series after a tense 24-all draw with Melbourne um what do you put the success of that season down to um you know obviously you know the the new regime coming on board with with Eric Watson and, and Mick Watson and and Daniel Anderson, um, you know, they came in and, you know, I think they, they made things pretty simple. They took all the pressure off the team. I think it was the first time the club um, had never felt pressure of actually, um, you know, playing um, playoff footy. We just went out there and enjoyed ourselves. And again, the balance of the team, you had, you know, you had some really um, good experience in there, guys like Ivan, Cleary and, and, and Campo. And then you sort of had a guy, you know, guys like myself and Arwen Goodenbeel, Logan Swan, Jerry Susu, um, you know, who who probably played, you know, uh, eighty to hundred games of footy, and then and then you had a, a real good mix of, of young guys like Clinton Torpy, Henry Farfilly, Lato Hire, uh, Motu Tony. So there was a, a Ali Lautiti. So there was a real good balance 
of, of the team, I think, when everyone just sort of gelled together. How do you remember that build-up for your first finals game? Ultimately, we got you know beaten by a red-hot Parramatta side, 56-12. Yeah. However, making the finals for the first time was a massive moment for the club. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, she, and she wasn't a pleasant game that day. But <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I look back at that Parramatta team and what they did that year. They're, they're probably uh, probably the best team to go throughout a year and not win a comp. They have you know, to that, be, yeah. that year, and and you know you look back at uh, what they did that year, and then they got to the grand final. But I think they just came up against the, a player that was pretty good, and, and Andrew Johns that day. But Fairly yeah, Parramatta were just on fire. They they sort of um, uh, revolutionised the game a bit. They played footy, they passed the ball well. Their basic fundamentals were really good, and they just had a good team and. Yeah, unfortunately for them, they yeah, like I said, they come up against a, a pretty red, red hot uh, Newcastle team grand final. Yeah, yeah. So th- two thousand and two was obviously the most fondly remembered season in Warriors history. Um, that year, as we touched on before, and again, we seem to have a very well balanced squad with a mixture of good, good young local talent. Again, with a sprinkling of seasoned veterans, including Campo and Ivan Cleary. So, again, is that what you put the dominance of that season down to, having the right balance in, of the squad? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, you know, we um, you know, we, we got a bit of confidence from what we did the year before. And, yeah, there was a good balance, you know. And, and you know, Daniel had grown as a coach and, and we could see what he was doing for the team and the confidence that he, he gave everyone. So, uh, that, you know, that 2002, yeah, there, there were teams that were... Uh, you know, we had the wood over, um, but there was, you know, there was one in particular team that sort of always had the wood over us, and that was the Roosters. Yeah. From um, from round seven to round 14 of that season, uh, the club has an eight-game unbeaten streak, which I think is still the record, the club record today. Um, what do you remember about that season purple patch of form, which had us hot on the heels of the ladder-leading Bulldogs at that stage too? Yeah, well, well the Bulldogs was the team that we actually... Um, you know, we didn't fare. You know, we always played well against the Bulldogs. And, you know, unfortunately what happened to them, they um, they got pushed out with the, the salary cap. And you know, looking back, I, I wish they had stayed in there. They would have sort of, uh, you know, been in playoffs and we might have come up against them. But, you know, Bulldogs were a team that were, you know, they did things pretty pretty simple. Um, but I think, you know, when you're winning games of footy, uh, winning's a habit. Um, and so was losing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you just, you know, when you're winning, you, you know you just got to turn up and do your job. Um, when you're losing, you're sort of always looking behind your back going, I hope I do my job. Or you look at the bloke over in the change room who's sitting over there going, oh, he's the one who's going to do his job today. So yeah. the difference then was we just everyone just knew what they were doing. Well, they were on a 15-game unbeaten streak when we played them in round 22 at Mount Smart that year, a game we won 22 to 14 and put the entire competition on notice. But can you describe the feeling of the, and the confidence that you must have taken uh, coming out of that game, knocking off that undefeated side? Oh, yeah, geez, I can't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> Such a long time ago. Uh, I, I do actually, you know, like, I remember it was a nighttime game. And you know, like, mm. like I said, there, there were teams in that competition that uh, we didn't fear. Um, and there were teams that in that competition um, that, you know, we knew that they we probably had the wood on us if we played a certain way. And, and the Bulldogs were a team that we enjoyed playing against. You know, history always will always say, 
any team that comes up against the Bulldogs, you know what you're going to get. Uh, we knew what we were going to get, and we just had to turn up um, um, to play our, our type of footy, and our type of footy suited us um, when we played them. We we end up finishing the season as minor premiers after the Bulldogs, as you said, had all their uh, points stripped for the salary cap breach. Um, mate, it must have been an unreal feeling you presented that JJ Gilton and Shield in front of the home fans after beating the Raiders in the first week of the semis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, playing at home, um, a semi final in front of a, a, a packed Mount Smart Stadium um, was certainly something that was was very special and uh you know the vibe around around Auckland at the time the support behind the Warriors was was unbelievable yeah yeah the 2002 semi-final then was the biggest game in the Warriors short history and you as always uh play a pivotal role putting in a precision grubber for Johnny Carlaw to pounce and seal the game um how confident were you heading into this game and and how big were the celebrations afterwards uh yeah, look, I mean, we knew that we, uh, uh, if we played our best game of footy, that we were going to give the Sharks a, a run for their money, and you know, we were underdogs in that game. Um, she was a tight game, and, and you know, the bounce of the ball went our way a couple of times, and um, when we won, it was you know a feeling of real excitement and enjoyment. We were going to come home. Um, to, to our to the Warriors fans and knowing that we had to get on a plane a couple of days later to get back to Sydney for the uh, grand final week and it, and it just went, went so fast. Yeah, I was going to say qualifying for the club's first ever grand final. Um, what was it like when the squad did return back to New Zealand and how hard was it to deal with all the hype and the interruptions leading up to the game? Because the, the grand final teams go through a lot of media uh, hmm requirements and stuff like that, the grand final breakfast. Um, so that must have been difficult to kind of keep you guys grounded, ready for the uh, Yeah, it was. Um, but it was also, you know, you, you felt really proud in that. You know, it was a, a great occasion. Um, you know, you, you realise how uh, how hard it actually is to, to make a grand final, you know. So after all the years of what the club had gone through, um, you know, it was that that week. You know, it was you sit back, take a deep breath, um, and just enjoy the occasion. You know, yes, there are a lot of commitments, but it is what it is. Both teams have to go through the same same stuff. So, do you feel um, do you feel privileged that you guys were the only ones that actually got to see Billy Idol's performance that year? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't. Actually, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I we didn't see any of that stuff. None of the. Um, pre-match um, entertainment, you, you don't see any of that. You're just, we're stuck in our, our changing room, just getting ready to run out on the field. So Yeah, but because his, his microphone's died and he didn't get to perform, no the Warriors, in, because wasn't he practising when you guys were doing a, a field session before the Grand Final? Oh, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, we might have had our captains run and... Uh, yeah, I, actually, I can't remember. But I do remember. Oh, he might have been just leaving while we were turning up. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, the grand final itself, though, is a very close contest for the first 60 minutes. And your try is considered to be one of, if not the best, solo effort tries from a grand final. How do you remember the first 60 minutes of that game? 
oh, it just went real fast. The game was fast. It was just a di different level of intensity. Uh, yeah, we, um, you know, if a couple of things had gone away in the first half, who knows what, what could happen. But fortunately for us, the, the Roosters uh, went to another level that we couldn't go with them. Um, again, going through, looking back at that year, they I think they beat us by 40 points, you know, only a month before that. So they had some confidence there and that. Um, but yeah, the first first half of that game just went so fast and 20 minutes after half time, it went even faster. And then, like I said, yeah, they just went to another um, another level that we couldn't we could, couldn't go with them. We had um, had big Tukes on last year, uh, and he told us it was actually a Wairangi Korpu elbow that opened up Freddie Fitler's head in the grand final, and and not Richard Villasandi like everyone thought. Um, what are your memories of that momentum changing incident in the grand final? Because that, that that's kind of when they really stepped it up, isn't it? Yeah, they did. Uh, oh, look again. Jeez, it was so such a long time ago. I'm trying to trying to bring back all the memories from it, but. Yeah, I remember there was, you know, um, if it was Y or Villa or whatever, but, um, you know, Freddie, the type of player he is, the leader he is, um, yeah, stepped up. And, and the rest of his team, Adrian Morley, you know, their enforcer, um, you know, really took the game by the scruff of the neck. And, yeah, we just sort of, we just fell into a bit of a heap. Yeah. There are a lot of stories, as we've already touched on, regarding that grand final. One in particular involves Campo and a smashed tape recorder at halftime. Um, we had Campo on, and he hilariously confirmed this rumour. Do you remember that incident as, at all, about halftime and the audio recording that you had? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Do you guys remember a caller called Alan McLaughlin? He used to call the Warriors games. I don't know if you guys... Oh, yeah, Alan Mack, yeah, you see the radio calls, yeah. Alan Mack. You know, like actually commentating the game. Um, and, you know, he was actually commentating us going on to win the game. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the Warriors were playing that game and the other team playing that day uh, was the Broncos, okay. not the Roosters. So <laughs> <laughs> we're all going, looking at this guy. What's going on here? And Campo just, just grabbed it, turned this. Ba, 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 ba. Crap off. <laughs> yeah, oh, so anyway, man. I mean, uh, whatever happened, happened. It was, yeah, never mind. I use those as, as excuses. It was, now looking back, it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, Campo told us quite a few funny stories, actually. Um... I bet, yeah. Yeah. Um, he told us one about Matt Wood and a, and a screen mask where he used to go around terrorising everyone at the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, good. not good. He went over to Ivan's place, I think. And he, yeah, straight uh, after. Yeah. He's an uh, old, uh, young, uh, not a bad footy player now, and Nathan Cleary. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Mate, um, you go on a long post-season tour of the UKs with the Kiwis uh, at the end of 2002, playing three tests against Great Britain and drawing the Stephens. How did you find that uh, that experience? And did the length of the tour after a big season have any effect heading into the 2003 season? Oh, probably. You know, it was a very long season. And, you know, like we played the grand final on a Sunday and then we had to back up on a, on a Saturday night, the following Saturday night and play, 
you know, Australia and Wellington, and that was yep. real hard to sort of, as soon as the, the game was over, the, the New Zealand rugby league or the Kiwis at the time were telling us we'd been camping in Wellington on the Monday, you know, so we didn't even have a chance to actually, you know, soak up everything that, that had happened that year. And then, you know, the following week after that test match in Wellington, we were on a plane, um, you know, for quite a long, it was a long tour to, to the UK. We, yeah. we played three tests against, um, you know, Great Britain. We played a test against Wales and went to France, had a game there. And we, you know, we played three warm-up games against club teams in, in the UK before all that happened. So it was a very long season. Um, and most of the players in that team were, were Warrior boys and, um, I think most of the boys at the time, um, you know, just couldn't wait for, for that tour to be over. And, uh, it, you know, and looking back at it, um, you know, when we got home, uh, there was a lot of people that were actually uh, saying it was a failure, that tour. But, you know, we drew the series and, you know, looking back, you know, I, I think it was 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 a success for, for how long the season went for the, the, the team. And, yeah. and what happened. Yeah, there was a few indiscretions. On, on that tour amongst players, but you know nothing that probably doesn't go on now anyway. Yeah, yeah. So well, 2003 is another successful year for the club. We finished in sixth, and we absolutely demolished the Bulldogs in the first round with uh, Francis Melly grabbing five tries. And then the following week, you're the saviour, kicking us uh, home against the Raiders with a field goal in two very different games, and equally classic in their own right. How do you remember the 2003 campaign? Uh, it was tough, real tough. You know, going back to that UK tour, um, probably just showed you, you know, the long season, and then we get back to New Zealand and, and we're straight into pre-season. And I, you know, I was um, carrying injury after injury throughout that whole whole year, trying to just get through games. And I actually, you know, it was got to a stage where I just couldn't wait for the season, that 03 season, to be over and have a good rest. Um, and I, actually, you know. Um, pulled out of the Kiwis uh, that year and uh, the body just needed a rest. And I wasn't the only player. There was a lot of players that, that actually suffered uh, from the year before. Um, and you know, looking back um, at some of those performances, there was some really good young players that came through and, and carried the club uh, that year. 2004 sees a dramatic decline in the form of the club and we finished with only... Six wins in is pro- probably our worst season uh, in terms of on-field results. Um, we've had a few guys on. Uh, so the bulk up players in the off-season was a big contributor to the results of that season. Is that, is that how you remember it? Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Like when we lost, um, I think we lost to Penrith in the semi-final, and yes, I just re- I remember the you know the. The talk afterwards that, you know, Penrith were a big team and if you wanted to win competitions, you had to be a big team. And uh, We tra- changed tack a little bit. Um, uh, I like, I remember doing the pre-season and, it, and there wasn't a lot of running that year. You know, every other year there was, we just ran, yep. ran, 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 got fit. That year, there was a lot of, you know, we were doing a lot of swimming, you know, we were do- on the bike a lot and in the gym. Boys were getting big. Um, I actually couldn't do preseason that year. I, well, I was limited. Um, I had an operation on on my groin, so it hindered me a little bit. Uh, but I just remember we didn't do a lot of running, and 
you know, the first four games, I think we lost and we, we were just, we were just really, you know, underdone and, and it showed. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, then 2005 then loomed as, as your final season in Warriors jersey. How difficult was it to make that decision, uh, seeing as though you'd been the heart and soul of the Warriors for over a decade? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, you know, I, I knew it was time for, uh, you know, for a change for myself. You know, I was sort of, uh, 2004 was a tough year. In 05, I just wanted to go out and enjoy, enjoy myself. And um, it was the, a, a year, Campo and, and Ivan had come back to the club as part of the coaching staff. And um, I spoke to Ivan at the time and said, oh, I think I'm going to, um, you know, I've got an opportunity to go over to, to France and, and help them out with the, the new Super League team there. And Ivan was, you know, uh, I mean, he was sort of saying, well, can you just hold off for a little bit? And, and he, but he understood. Um, he knew where I was coming from, just needed a change. And um, But, you know, what I did was I just really tried to enjoy my footy. Uh, you know, we the first time the club uh, in a long time had, had, you know, two real, real experienced um, players in the forward pack, you know, that would, would help the likes of, you know, Arwen and, and Logan out. And so we've got Steve Price and Ruben Wickey yeah. along and, um, you know, really bolstered that, that pack up. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I just went out and made sure that I enjoyed my last year, year at the Warriors. Yeah, you're saying you talk about Pricey and, and Ruben coming in 2005. Um, great additions to the squad. Unfortunately, again, we fall just short of the finals. However, the final game of the season, you score the match-winning try against Manly. Uh, that must have been a great way to sign off your time at the Warriors. Yeah, it was. Uh, I do remember that game. Uh, Manly was always a tough place to go, Brookvale. And um, looking back, uh, yeah, you know, we did fall short. It was you know disappointing that we couldn't play playoffs footy, and you know we we probably had the team that should have. Uh, fortunately, we we lost some games um, during that year that we we should have won, but. Uh, wasn't to be, but yeah, and I remember the last game at Brookvale, you know, some, some good memories. Tell us a bit about your experience in the 2005 Tri-Nations tournament with the Kiwis. I'm assuming that the 24-0 victory over Australia in the final was one of your career highlights? Yep. Yeah, oh, look, you know, look, I, I, because I had uh, um, retired from playing for New Zealand, I, I felt that, you know, the long tours and all that, and my body wasn't sort of holding up as well as it, it could have or should have. And I reckon I had about 50 meetings with, with Brian McLennan, who was the coach at the time, um, to try and get me back into the Kiwis jersey. And, you know, I, I, you know I, I'd already made my decision, but somehow he persuaded me. Might have been a few beers, actually, and he got me. But, uh, yeah, look, that, that was a wonderful time. Probably the best time I've had playing for the Kiwis. You know, again, it was a good mixture of, some real good experience and some good young kids coming through. And uh, that, that uh, final was something that I'll, I'll always remember and I'll be grateful um, uh, not only to Bluey, the coach, but also to the players because they, they allowed me to come come home midway through that campaign. Uh, my wife was, was having our, our third child and I always said I'd come back. I'd be around for that. Yep. And um, you know, so looking back, you know, I was very grateful to, to the uh, Kiwi team at the time. But you, you, you mentioned briefly before that you uh, took up an offer to go 
the Catalan Dragons in the English Super League. Um, how did you enjoy your time in, in France and, and playing in the Super League? And what did you see as the main differences between the English Super League and the NRL? Um, really enjoyed my time there. Um, a, a wonderful part of the world. Lovely people. Um, Embrace the game uh, so much. That part of the world, they love rugby league. Soccer's non-existent in the <laughs> south of France. Uh, rugby's really big, however, uh, rugby league is, is big there too. So really enjoyed it. The big difference, I think, between the that I found between the Super League and the um, NRL was the phys- physicality. Um, the NRL was, was a lot harder. Um, as far as, you know, after a game, you knew you'd, you'd been in a game, whereas in the Super League, I, think, I, I felt the game in, in Super League was a lot faster. Um, you know, they didn't have the, the wrestle that the NRL has had. Um, you know, you, you make a tackle, you get off straight away and they play the ball fast. So, you know, two different types of games of footy. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. it. was, you know, the thing I when I when I signed, I didn't realise that, oh, when I go, I go over there, I don't have to travel as much as what I used to do. You know, when you play for the Warriors, you travel to Aussie every single week. Well, when I got to France, oh, you've got to travel to UK every second week. So that was a... Bit of an experience, uh, you know. It would take you half a day to get there. You know, you you, you fly to London, then three-hour bus trip up to to the north most of the time. So, um, but a really good experience, not only for myself but also for um, for my family. Yeah, nice. Yeah, awesome. Well, what was the story behind your shock return to the Warriors that they announced at the end of two thousand and eight? Yeah, good question. <laughs> uh, so I come back. I come back, and Ivan asked if I'd. Um, come and help out with the halves, you know, do some kicking and, and whatnot. And then um, he came about, they got about a month out from the season finishing. And I said, why don't you have another crack? And I was like, oh, geez. I, and I was, you know, I wasn't comfortable at the time. Um, I spoke to a lot of people about it. Um, people like, like the Mad Butcher. Um, you know, and they said, look, you only live once, you've given an opportunity. And no, Ivan didn't put any pressure on me. Like he said, look, if you want to have a crack, you can have a crack. Just go and train. So I trained for about six weeks and I felt pretty good. And he said, look, there's no pressure on you. I'm not expecting you to um, come back and play every week. Um, just be around the group and, you know, you're in good nick. So it um, be good to have you around. So that's where it sort of went to. And uh, look, I have no regrets doing it. I know it was a it was it was a tough year. It was a really tough year. Um, the hardest thing that happened that year was was in preseason when um, uh, Sunny Fi yep. um, the Sunny Fi tragedy happened, and that really rocked the team um, immensely. So, um, but I um, look, I have no regrets coming back and playing. I, I really enjoyed uh, being around the group, and you know, again, I'm you know grateful to to Ivan. Who you know um, gave me that that opportunity? You, you mentioned the tragic passing of Sonny Fry uh, in the preseason, and it, it really did derail that 2009 season before it started. Um, as a 17-year-old, he was your final game for the club in 2005, and then season with him at the end of 2008. How do you remember Sonny? I a wonderful, wonderful kid. Um, Always had a smile on his face, and was you know, um, you, know you get a lot of young kids that come into an environment, and they 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 
you know, they they just go into their shell. Um, but Sonny wasn't like that. Um, Sonny was, you know, always being a bit of a, a prankster, a jokester, even around the older boys. And I, I have no doubt that, you know, if he was if he was still around, uh, he would have captained the Warriors. Yep. You know, that's the, the type of person he, he was going to be. He was going to become, you know, a real a real leader of, of the club. And yeah, it was just um, you know, a, a terrible thing that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it affected, affected all of us as fans as well. And think about what could have been. And as you said, yeah, fantastic. Oh, it did. Yeah. 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 And it really hurt, like, uh, not only... Um, the young players, but a lot of the older players, I know it really hurt Ruben um, and, and Pricey. Pricey yeah. told us about it as well, yeah. 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 When we had Pricey on and, and he, he spoke for about three hours, but uh, he spent about an hour just talking about Sonny Fi and talking about the tattoo that he got. And um, yeah, you could see that Sonny had a massive impact on a lot of people at that club. Yeah, they did. He did, so... Yeah. In the mm. 2009 season, though, there were a couple of moments of brilliance from yourself. Coming off the bench in round two against Manly, you put on a bit of a masterclass with a, chip and, a trademark chip and chase, and you effectively won us that game. That must have, been, must have given you a lot of confidence, though, coming back into the game, knowing that you still could produce that kind of magic. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it did. Um, you know, again, I never thought I'd be given an opportunity so early, so... Um, yeah, maybe after that game, I should have hung the boots up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, fuck. it was good fun. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, that 2009 season was was a disappointing one on and off the field. However, you still, as Rob said, you still managed to produce a few moments of trade, trademark brilliance uh, during the career, career during the season, sorry, including a golden point field goal against the Roosters. Um, how do you remember your final season in a Warriors jersey and in the NRL? Yeah, it was very similar to the, to the 05 season. Um, <laughs> I, I just uh, uh, needed to make sure that I, I try to enjoy myself. Um, you know, obviously what, what we spoke about and what happened in the pre-season, that was really hard for everyone to try and do that. Um, but, yeah, no, we just, you know, we made sure we turned up and, and you know, um, try to do our job as best we could, um, you know, under the circumstances. So, yeah, oh, you know, Pricey, I think Pricey had a really pretty disruptive year that year with injuries and and we lost Brent Tate, I think, in the second game to an, to an ACL injury. So, wow. you know, it, was, it was tough for those guys. And um, But, yeah, no, again, like I said, I just, we just try to get out there and, and enjoy ourselves as best we could. Yeah. Yeah, we, we all have such amazing memories of your career and you're tr we're truly privileged to have been able to watch you play. You had so many great Stacey Jones memories, but what are the fondest memories of your career looking back? Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, obviously, um, everyone will always probably say their debut, something special. And, and you know, I, I look back that I don't count the Parramatta game as my debut because it was sort of just something that I didn't, mm. wasn't going to happen, wasn't meant to happen. And then... But I, I look at my first starting game against Cronulla um, yep. um, a couple of weeks later when um, John Money um, picked about, I don't know, four or five of the young kids from, young guys from reserve grade that day to go on and, and make their debut. And um, I think that was, you know, that's right up there. Um, the team had had a few injuries, but, you know, get to play alongside Greg Alexander and... Um, 
Hytrocassini and John Kerwin made his, uh, I think John Kerwin made his debut that day too. So, you know, you get to play along legends like that. Um, you know, that will always be something special. Mate, can, can you tell us your feelings uh, or describe your feelings when you were nominated for the uh, NRL Hall of Fame, um, being one of only three Kiwis uh, nominated into that illustrious group? That must have been a really proud moment for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, and I didn't actually believe it at the time. I thought that we were nominated to go, you know, uh, be a part of a, a, a group of people that could go into the Hall of Fame. I didn't actually um, expect that we were going to be put into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, certainly something that, you know, you, you just, you know, you, you're humble, you're proud, and um, because there's, you know, so many other players that you look back and go, you know, they should be there, not me, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, you just make, you know, you make sure that you are, you know, you, you, you're honoured and, and proud of things like that. Yeah. Mate, uh, you've been constantly involved with the club since retirement. You coached the NYC uh, side. You coached in the reserve grade. You were involved as an assistant coach to the NRL squad. What does your current role at the club involve now? Yeah, so I'm quite lucky actually. I I'm not in Australia with the team, uh, yeah. uh, so I, I work with Tony Edel in our in our development pathways, and it's pretty tough at the moment um, because we don't actually have a, a team that that's involved in in a competition, and um, you know a lot of our boys are looking for these pathways, and and uh, you know me and Tony have got a really important job at the club right now. We've got to make sure that we First of all, try and keep our best kids here. Yep. But we've got a job to try and make sure that they can play in a competition that's going to make them better players. So, um, at the moment, the club's in a tough place, um, you know, through no, no fault of its own, uh, own just because of um, what's happening around the world at the moment. And, yep. you know, if we want to become a development club and, you know, we really need to get more of our young kids into that NRL team. Um, we've got to try and make sure that there's a there's a good pathway there for them. And at the moment, she's she's pretty tough. But you know, our job, um, mine and Tony's job, is to make sure that you know we get some young, really good young kids. We keep them, we train them up, and and we get them into that NRL team. You know, as soon as we can, because you know that that's how you build culture within this team. And, uh, at the moment, um, and again, through no no fault of anyone, it's just the way it is. Uh, we really do need some more of our young ones in that team, and we've got to keep them there. And they've got to, you know, grow and, and love to be be in a Warriors jersey. It, it must have been disappointing when um, Phil Gould announced that he couldn't continue on in that role. Uh, I'm assuming you might have had a little bit to do with him this year when he when he came back to New Zealand a couple of times and tried to set up some some stuff for those pathways programs. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, you know, and and Phil could. Um, see the vision that we wanted, and and we knew what he wanted, and we're all, we were all on the same um, same path here with what what the club needs. And unfortunately, um, at the moment, it's just hard to get these things in place. Um, it will happen. It, it might just take a little bit of time, but yeah. Um, even though Phil was only here for a short time, he certainly um, had a had a big impact, yep. and you know he painted a picture for us that. Um, um, showed us what we need to do and where we need to get to. You know, uh, he, he helped set up Penrith's um, system that they've got going now. And 
you know, we there's no reason why the Warriors can't, you know, uh, be close to what they've got. And Absolutely. hopefully, you know, in five, six years' time, um, the Warriors team, we're going to see a lot of young Kiwis in that team that have come through um, um, our system that are, you know, playing over at this park right here, right now. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Well, mate, just before we let you go, um, we're just going to ask you some quick rapid-fire questions that we ask all of our guests. Okay, who was your toughest teammate? Uh, Owen Goodenbill. Oh, yeah. Who was the best sledger? Uh, in, in my team or in yeah, the other team? You played no, against just, yeah, anyone, right? Joey. Joey. Joey, Joey Johns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was the biggest pest? Biggest pest. Uh, PJ Marsh. Uh, okay, not not Nat Wood. <laughs> oh yeah, he's close, but he's close. yeah, it's always the hookers. hookers. Always the hookers. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was the toughest opponent? Your toughest opponent? Uh, uh Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most professional in regards to game preparation. Oh God. Um, 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 um. Pricey, throw Pricey in there. He was pretty professional. Pricey, pricey or yeah. Steve Kearney comes up a lot as well. Oh, Steve Kearney. Actually, Steve Kearney's got Pricey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pricey. <laughs> Who was the best trainer? Uh, Wadangi Korpu. He's still playing. Still looking. He still is. Looking fit. Yeah, yeah. He's still playing. Yes. <laughs> Who was the best? The best team comedian. Best team comedian, Jerry Susu. Really? Yeah. Okay. Funny, funny bloke, funny, real funny. Right. Yeah, you have to get him on. Yeah, you have to. Oh, you get him on, it'd be laughs. It'd be awesome, man. <laughs> no, yeah. it's done, Jerry. Yeah. I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the worst trainer? Worst trainer. Oh God, there's plenty of them. Um, uh, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. Uh, yeah. We can let you off. Mark, Mark Tuki. Mark Tuki. <laughs> oh, sorry, Toots. Sorry, Toots. <laughs> um, and did you have any pre-game rituals or game day routines that you went through? Uh, not really, no. No. Not super special. No, I didn't. No, super, no, just, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say something, but no, I didn't. Yeah. Oh. Right. Chase, we um we know you're a busy man. We really want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us so candidly today. Um, we know that you're a very private man, uh, and you coming on here is um you know a big deal for you, but it's a massive deal for all our, our Warriors fans. Um, yeah, cool. bro, it's been an honour and a privilege to watch. Um, we have a saying here on Ruin Hammer that those who have played for our club are forever and always. And you, bro, are forever and always Warrior 24. Oh, awesome, guys. Thanks very much. This has been the best interview I've ever done. Awesome. Really? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. We appreciate it. Let the other guys know because we, we put a lot of um, of uh, like uh, stuff out there to try and get guys on. And yeah. uh, I, I know a lot of the guys are a little bit hesitant. You know, We don't have a, a media presence or anything like that. Just a, two fans that run a little Facebook and YouTube show and uh, we've been very fortunate to get a lot of players on um, in the past like Ruben and Pricey, Campo, Tooks, yourself, uh, Michael Luck, James Maloney. So um, we really do appreciate it. We know you're 
Um, so thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, cool. Awesome, guys. I, I just want to say one last thing. I remember in commentary in the 2002 prelim final, Peter Sterling said, if you want to make something happen, you go to your best. And that's what you were to the club, the heart and soul. And we're very honoured and blessed to be able to chat with you today as fans. So we appreciate your time so much. No worries. Thanks, Enjoy your, uh, your Saturday, guys. Can, uh, All right. We can catch up with Cheers. you when we get to New Zealand sometime next year. <laughs> Sounds good. Whatever that happens. Looking Thanks, forward mate. to it. Cheers, boys. Cheers. See Bye. Thank you.